Well, I want to begin by saying thank you to our friendship singers for the beautiful music and worship this morning, but also for your witness as you went to Arkansas and you shared the love of Christ with so many on that trip, both in the intentional places where they sang and served, but apparently every place along the way, in restaurants and in tour sites and everything, they really blessed people by their love and friendliness and uh, the spirit of contagious energy that they have. And so we're so grateful for their willingness to go and serve. I love that we have a church that no matter your age, there are opportunities to serve, to get involved, to use your gifts and talents that have been entrusted you to uh, bless the world. And so we celebrate that today. As I mentioned earlier in the service, we are in our current series called Entrusted. And Todd Pridemore, our interim uh, pastor, he began the series two weeks ago by just talking about what entrusted means and what is entrusted to us as a, in a large concept. And then last week he talked about stewarding vocation, that the work that we're called to in life, whether out of the home or in the home or in retirement or in the workplace, public sector, private, whatever it is, our vocations are entrusted to us for God's glory and the good of others. And so we appreciate his uh, beginning to this series. Today I'm going to talk about stewarding creation and uh, we're going to begin by looking at our text today, Psalm 104. I'll be reading an excerpt from this psalm, this beautiful psalm, that is a song about God as creator and God as provider. So I invite you to follow along in your scripture or on the screens as we read. The psalmist is writing to God, the creator. You provide streams of water in the hills and valleys so that the donkeys and other wild animals can satisfy their thirst. Birds build their nest nearby and sing in the trees. From your home above, you send rain on the hills and water the earth. You let the earth produce grass for cattle, plants for our food, wine to cheer us up, olive oil for our skin, and grain for our health. O oh Lord, your trees always have water, and so do the cedars you planted in Lebanon. Birds nest in those trees and storks make their home in the fir trees. Wild goats find a home in the tall mountains and small animals can hide between the rocks. You created the moon to tell us the seasons. The sun knows when to set and you made the darkness so the animals in the forest could come out at night. Lions roar as they hunt for the food you provide but when morning comes they return to their dens then we go out to work until the end of day. Our Lord, by your wisdom, you made so many things. The whole earth is covered with your living creatures. You created all of them by your spirit, and you give new life to the earth. Our Lord, we pray that your glory will last forever and that you will be pleased with what you have done. You look at the earth and it trembles. You touch the mountain and smoke goes up. As long as I live, I will sing and praise you, the Lord God. I hope my thoughts will please you because you are the one who makes me glad. Let's pray together. And gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Open our hearts and our hands and our minds to your message today. Amen. Well, this time of year, especially in Missouri, 
We see our social media feeds full of photos as summer transitions into fall. We post photos of trees and bushes aflamed in a brilliant array of color. And some of us go on walks or long drives to take in all the fall beauty. Now, how many of you have taken a walk or a drive with intention this season to check out the fall beauty? Raise your hand. Yeah, quite a bit of us. I've always said that October is Missouri's month to shine. We do October and fall really, really well. Some years are better than others, and this one has been a beautiful year. But for many of us, our love of nature is not contained to one mere season. I mean, all year long, we're posting photos of nature and enjoying it and craving to be out in it and capturing it and sharing it. If you have the good fortune to be Facebook friends with my mom, then you know that every day she posts a photo of nature in some way. And one of my favorite series that she does is called um, If Nature Could Talk. And every day she posts a picture of an animal or animals, and the caption is what she imagines they're saying to each other. And she's very good at this. I can hear them say what she writes. Here are three of my favorites just from this last year. This one. Well, guess you'll listen to what I say next time. I told you to hang on. <laughs> or this one. All the birds there on the right. I do believe you're holding up the line. Move. And this one, squirrel caught right in the act. Now, after all these long months, I may have just discovered the secret to the squirrel-proof bird feeder. And he did, yeah. Unfortunately, nature cannot talk, much to my great disappointment. But nature does indeed communicate. Nature communicates values and feelings and lessons for humans as it inspires us and encourages us, comforts us, blesses us. Creation communicates a beautiful interdependence among all living things that shows us that showing up in the way that you were created to show up matters and makes a difference to others. Creation speaks in subtle ways and very direct ways and in small ways and very significant ways. My gardens every year speak to me in indirect ways. More sun, less sun. More water, less water. More nutrients, less nutrients. And when uh, I was a child and I was at the Kansas City Zoo, the pony that took a bite on my knee communicated very directly to me. I had no idea what he was saying, but I got the message. Nature communicates. Nature has something to teach us. Some of the world's greatest poets and authors, writers, musicians, um, thinkers, cite nature as a source of inspiration, great inspiration to them. Here are just a few of the samplings of their thoughts. Henry David Thoreau, a writer, heaven is under our feet as well as over our heads. William Shakespeare, the playwright, the earth has music for those who listen. Edmund Burke, never, no, never did nature say one thing and wisdom another. Claude Monet, the great painter, the richness I achieve comes from nature, the source of my inspiration. And Aristotle, if one way be better than another, that you may be sure is nature's way. 
Now, I imagine most of us have a story, perhaps, of how nature has inspired us or blessed us, challenged us or taught us in some way. And today, I want us to think about that. Whether it's a stroll in the forest or in the park, maybe it's a ray of sunshine on your face or sitting by a a cool stream of water and listening to it gurgle, or perhaps it's the exuberant affection of a pet welcoming welcoming you at home at the door. And you know by pet, I do mean a dog, right? Because I've never seen exuberant affection from a cat. I don't know if I've ever seen affection from a cat, actually. And for all the cat lovers, yes, you can send me an email. God loves creation, even the cats. God made the world with joy, for joy. Today, I want us to think about creation and what it communicates us to God who has entrusted to us creation. And this is not a political or scientific sermon today, although both fields have much to teach us about the whys and the how-tos of creation care. But today, as we focus in this series about stewardship, our focus is on what God has entrusted to us in the area of creation. Now, churches are fully committed to speaking about stewardship of money and time and talents and Did I mention money? And in this series on Entrusted, we're talking about all of these things. But I do believe we should speak as passionately and as often about stewardship of creation. Caring for creation matters to the creator, and it matters to neighbors near and far, and thus it should matter to us as well. And it may seem a bit odd to hear an American uh, Baptist preacher speak about creation care because we are not known in the American evangelical group to really be passionate or have much conviction on this area, sadly. But things are beginning to change, especially among younger generations that list climate change as one of their greatest fears. And so it brings it to our attention. And for several years now, and especially because of my earlier trips to Kenya, which really opened my eyes, I begin thinking about it as well in a different way with this question. Does my care for the earth reflect love for God and love for neighbor? Does my care for the earth reflect love for the creator of the earth and for my neighbors who share this earth together? See, if our life's calling is to love God and love others, if these are the two greatest commands, then caring for earth is important as well. Caring for what God has created and called good and entrusted to us matters. Now, our text today, this Psalm 104, is this beautiful, exuberant, lyrical psalm about God as creator and provider. And in it, it's like the poetry of Genesis 1 and 2 kind of set to music. As one commentator said, in Psalm 104, the entire zoo worships. And I love that imagery. The psalm is full of wonder and joy at what God has made. Joy both by the psalmist who's writing this, but also the joy of the creator who created it all. And this creator, it describes poetically how the creator created it all with intention and purpose. And how God knew just what creation would need and provided it out of love. 
waters mentioned, habitat, food, all these things provided by the creator to the created, including us. And I love how in the message paraphrase, they write uh, Psalm, the 24th, 24th verse of this psalm. It says, what a wildly wonderful world, God. You made it all. With wisdom at your side, made earth overflow with your wonderful creations. What a wildly wonderful world. Psalm 104 praises God as creator and provider. In the psalm, all look to God for food in their time of need and in the season. The wild animals, it says, drink their fill. The birds build their nests. The grass grows and feeds the livestock. These are all the result of the creator and its desire to give creatures, including humans, what is needed and good for us. All creatures, humanity, along with the animals and the earth, look to God with trust for what they need as they need it. Part of stewarding creation is the invitation to trust our creator to also be our provider. To trust that God is enough rather than having to own or purchase another thing or to have a certain way of life. It is an invitation for us to think about our consumption. For so many of us, consuming is about wants rather than needs. It's often about fear rather than trust. And when we think about consuming, sometimes it is a distraction from the hard things in life. Maybe it's an addiction even. Maybe it's a way of controlling something when nothing else control, we can control. Maybe about looking to things to meet a need that only God can meet. Why do you think they jokingly call retail, retail therapy? They understand our motives. Why do we joke too about the siren call of Target? That little bullseye that draws us in for one thing and then two hours later we come out with a shopping cart full of dollar bin goodies and one more pillow for the 40 that are on the couch. I saw some elbows on that story. For some of us, we know our BFF is Amazon Prime, who gets us what we need in two days or less. Stewarding creation invites us to reconsider our consumption habits and to understand their relationship to us and their impact on us and their impact on the world. Caring for creation invites us to be grateful for what we have rather than always searching for what's next. Caring for creation calls us to not be greedy with the world's resources, but to experience the freedom of contentment in Christ, in Christ alone. To trust that there is enough for everyone's needs, but not enough for everyone's greed. Caring for creation is a gentle reminder from a loving creator to trust that God is both creator and provider that he will provide what we need, just like the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. Our scripture teaches us that God is creator and provider of all creation. Our scripture also speaks of humanity's role as caretakers and partners in God's compassionate rule on earth as it is in heaven. In Genesis chapter two, verse 15, we read, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it 
and keep it. The Hebrew word for till is tend, means to tend or serve. The Hebrew word for keep is to protect. So creation has been entrusted to those made in the image of God to tend and protect it. We are to love what God loves. Caring for creation is a biblical value. And the effect of how we care for creation is a reflection of God's reign in our hearts and in our lives as well. There's a lot of data out there that says we're not doing a very good job of tending and protecting creation. Just want to share a few of these. The World Wildlife Fund reports that animal populations worldwide have declined by 70% over the last 50 years. According to the Global Footprint Network, humans are consuming natural resources 170% more than the earth can regenerate. Every year, U.S. landfills are filled with nearly 140 million tons of waste. Every year, environmental factors take the lives of around 13 million people. And at least 14 million tons of plastic end up in the oceans every year. My friends, creation is groaning. Evangelist Billy Graham understood this, and he wrote the following in 2015. Why should we be concerned about the environment? It isn't just because of the dangers we face from pollution, climate change, or other environmental problems. Notice he's saying that there are dangers that we face because of these things. But he writes, for Christians, the issue is much deeper We know that God created the world and it belongs to him, not to us. Because of this, we are only stewards or trustees of God's creation. And we aren't to abuse or neglect it. We care for the earth simply because it belongs to the one whom we love and serve. When we try and separate the creator from the created, whether it's nature or people, when we try and separate the creator from the created, we find it more easy to justify the abuse and the exploitation and the disregarding of those things. But we can't do that. You cannot separate the created from the creator. Wesley Granberg Michelson wrote this, that creation has value because of its relationship to God not because of its utility for humanity. We speak about this not because of its benefit for us, but because of its relationship to God, the creator. This is our father's world, not ours. And our love for God should lead us to think honestly about that question, does my care for the earth reflect love for God and love for neighbor? Let's talk about the love our neighbor part for just a moment. As we mature and grow up in life, we understand better that well-known saying that it's better to plant trees under whose shade you'll never sit. Now, there's a lot of reiterations of that statement, but it's first attributed that I could find to a French theologian in 1866 
who as a man of faith understood that one of the best investments in life is to think about our impact on those who come behind us. That our choices on how we live and how we consume will impact our children and their children and generations to come. I serve on the advisory board for Christians Caring for Creation. It's a national organization that's dedicated to helping Christians understand and work across traditions to care for this earth that we all share together. And the founder of C3 and some of the board members who are older cite the reasons for being involved in this or creating it as their grandchildren. They realize if one of the most important things I could give to them in this life is not another trinket or a toy, but to live a, leave a good earth to them, to do my part to care for them. And so they founded it in that idea. Lakota war uh, leader Crazy Horse once said as well that we should tend to the earth. It is not borrowed from our parents. It's not loaned to us from our parents. It's borrowed from our children. If our willingness to take a few steps now makes the world a better place for those who come behind us that we love, well, it seems like a worthy pursuit and sacrifice. But you see, it's not just for those that we know or love or that we're related to. It's also for those who are our neighbors, known and unknown. And loving and compassionate living towards them is important. Christ spoke often about caring for the disadvantaged and there's a connection between this and creation care. The Lausanne movement, which was founded by Billy Graham in 1974 to coordinate global mission efforts and things that affected the world, uh, wrote this statement in 2011. It says Reverend Billy Graham wrote that statement. That's not true. It came from the movement that he started. They said this statement, climate change disproportionately affects those in poorer countries, for it is there that climate extremes will be most severe and where there's little capability to adapt to them. World poverty and climate change need to be addressed together and with equal urgency. You see, creation care is a justice issue. Stewardship of creation is part of loving others today and for generations to come. Our former lead pastor Doyle Sayer once said that our faith story begins with a tree and it ends with a tree. Everything in between those two trees is about carefully tending to what's been entrusted to us. For Christ followers, care for creation and stewardship of resources is not a political issue. It's not a response to a current trads or what's a fads or what's trending right now. It's not about a way of life that makes you more holy than anyone else or that pleases God more than anything else. It's a way of life that says that we know we are tasked and entrusted with creation and its care. It's a way of tending and protecting it as we were commanded to do from the very beginning. It's a way of living that shows love to the creator of all things, the one who says it is very good, the one who made it with joy and for our joy. It's a way of living that says we love our neighbors and realize that we live in interdependence together and how we live impacts others now and in generations to come. And it's a way of living that challenges us to find contentment in Christ in Christ alone, rather than in things that we can possess or own. 
As we continue this sermon series, we are going to think about what is entrusted to us for God's glory and for the good of others. And I hope that you'll continue to think and reflect on this question. Does my care for the earth reflect love for God and for neighbor? Does my care for the earth reflect love for its creator and love for neighbor? And may the Spirit of God help us discern the answer and guide us to steward creation as we've been commanded to do. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the words of scripture that remind us of creation, of you as creator, and what joy you find in it all. And the words that teach us that we are in community together, humans, nature, we live in interdependence as you've designed us to do. And how we live together reflects our love for you and one another. We give you thanks, most gracious God, for the beauty of the earth and the sky and the sea, for all the richness of mountains and plains and rivers, for the songs of birds and the loveliness of flowers. We praise you for these good gifts that remind us of you. And we pray we might care for them as you have entrusted us to do as a way of loving you, loving others, and as a way of learning to live in contentment with you and you alone. Amen.